Okay, I got a good question for you today on New Hope Radio. I wonder if you've ever wondered about this. Can people be saved without hearing about the name Jesus? What do you think? We know that today we preach the name of Christ so people can be saved, but is that the most important thing? Do people need to hear the name of Jesus in order to be saved? Well, we're going to look at that today. Oh, yeah, right here on New Hope Radio. And you might hear something you never heard before. You might hear something you disagree with or you agree with. I would say, let's listen. Let's listen and let's see the heart of God. And can people be saved without hearing the name of Jesus? In our series, brand new series we started last week, I call it They Want to Know because... You, being they, submitted questions regarding the things that you want to know. And we began last week with the Roman road to salvation. We saw five steps, the shortest journey to the greatest destination and how to be saved. And the greatest destination, of course, is to be with God in eternity. Today we have a question that's been asked, I think, quite often by many people throughout history. And I must admit, it's a very challenging topic. It's a challenging question. And the answer is a challenge to find. Uh, I'm going to do my best to present what I believe the Bible says to answer the question. And the question is, can people be saved without hearing about Jesus? That's a good question. Can people be saved without hearing about Jesus? Many people are divided on this subject, I've come to discover. There are many that say, yes, they can be saved, and others say, no, they cannot. So someone, maybe we could rephrase the question like this. Can the man on the island, who never heard about the name of Jesus, be saved? Hmm. Another way the question could be phrased could be, how could a good and loving God Condemn someone to hell who never heard of Jesus? Well, good question too. So I'm going to seek to answer this question with three simple points. Best way to remember something. Keep it simple. Number one, let's begin with, okay, why we need to be saved. We kind of touched on this last week as we saw with the Roman road, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All need to be saved because all are in sin. Sin separates us from God, prohibits us from having a relationship with God, ooh, from living with God, and therefore we're alienated from God. Every person is in need of being saved from the judgment that sin deserves. Also, we saw last time where Paul said to the Ephesians, remember they were very religious people? He said, even though you're religious and they went to church a lot, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins because they worshiped false gods and idols. So therefore, condemnation results not because somebody rejects the gospel, but because everybody's a, a sinner. All are sinners. That's what brings condemnation, not rejecting the gospel. So this is why the question, can someone be saved, without hearing the name of Jesus, is so important. It's why that question's asked. 
So let's learn a couple of terms today. I don't want to get too academic, but these terms are good to understand. The first one is called inclusivism, and I apologize, I forgot to put the notes online. Pray for my memory. I forget a lot of stuff lately. I normally put the notes online, I forgot, I thought I did. I'll put them on when I go home just in case somebody's interested. But the word is inclusivism. What does that mean? That salvation is only through the name of Christ, but there may be some who are saved without knowing that name. That's inclusivism. That it's only through Christ you can be saved, but some can be saved without knowing the name of Jesus. Okay? And here's the reasons that they give for that. The creative order, as we see in Romans 1.19. Paul said, that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. What Paul is saying is, God makes himself known to people. How about that? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, what are his invisible attributes? All the things that make up God. His characteristics, which we'll see some of them today. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. Oh, they've been clearly seen. God has revealed his attributes, his power, his nature. How did he do that? Paul said, through what has been made. That everything God makes, I like this, everything God makes reveals him. The creation reveals the attributes of God, the power of God, the nature of God, so that they are without excuse. Think about that. There's no excuse. There's no excuse not to believe in God because he's revealed himself to every person through the creation. His invisible perfections have been revealed by his visible works. Oh, you know what? That just saved us a lot of trouble, didn't it? Because now we know, throw away all those textbooks on evolution. There's a lot of wasted time and money teaching evolution when God tells us, no, man, I made everything. Because in the making of everything, I'm revealing myself. How does God reveal himself in evolution? He doesn't. God revealed himself in the creation by the things that he made. So, and notice, we are in awe of what God has done. Aren't we? I know I am. I mean, I look at nature before man gets his hands on it. It's beautiful. Here in New England, we, in this part anyway, we don't get to really appreciate the night sky like they do out west or up north where there's less lighting and less cities and, you know, but if you've ever been blessed enough to be out in the Midwest or up north in the mountains at night and look at the sky, I remember one time being on a mountain at night, some kind folks let us use their winter retreat for a while, it was beautiful, and it's like we were high in the mountains at night, it's like you could reach out and touch the stars. It's incredible. It's like they were on your level. It's like you could reach out and just touch them. It was very awe-inspiring. Very impressive. And the nature, the things that God has created, they're, they're, they're unmatched by anything that anyone has ever done. 
So we have the creative order of things through which God has revealed himself. Then we also have now the moral law. People that believe some can be saved outside of the name of Christ use the moral law. Take a look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 14. For when Gentiles, and by the way, Gentiles always refers to the non-Jews who don't know God. Okay? The Jewish people were the people of God. They were supposed to know God. All the others, the Gentiles, they don't know God because they weren't God's people. So, but notice, when Gentiles who do not have the law, they don't have the Ten Commandments. They do instinctively the things of the law. Oh, they don't kill, they don't steal. They don't have a, they, these not having a law to themselves, or these not having the law, are a law to themselves. And what he's saying is that though they don't have the written law, God has placed a moral law inside of people. In verse 15, and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness in their thoughts, alternately accusing or else defending them. See, that's the work of the conscience. The work of the conscience tells you what's right and what's wrong. And if you submit to the conscience, you know what happens? Oh, it gets sharper and sharper and sharper. But if you ignore the conscience and don't pay it any mind, it gets dull and more dull and more dull. The conscience can actually bring a person to a place where they are unaffected, unaffected by wrong, by sin. And that's why people can do such horrific things, because their conscience has been just dulled out. It's been reduced to nothing. But every person is born with a moral law inside of them. We have the written law. The written law is for the commonwealth. It's the laws that are on the books. Every nation has laws on the books. God gave his people laws on the books, right? The Ten Commandments. There's a written laws. These are on the books. This is what everybody that the people of God are supposed to abide by. The common, we have laws in our secular society. Don't steal, you're going to go to jail. Don't murder, you're going to go to jail. You know, don't destroy somebody's property, you're going to go to jail. We have laws for the commonwealth to keep a society safe. The moral law is in the conscience. The moral law, and I love the example somebody gives, I'm going to use it. The moral law tells you, don't go down to the market naked. <laughs> right? The moral law says, I got to get dressed before I go out. Right? The moral law says, don't go to work in your pajamas. Right? You get dressed. I love this one he gave. The moral law says, man, don't dress up in woman's clothing. Yeah, huh? Hmm. What's happening nowadays? <laughs> I saw a picture of a guy. Was it the Oscars? Came out with a gown on? If that was my kid, I'd slap him silly. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, my gosh. No moral law there, right? Coming out in a dress. That's what happens, see? The, this is the danger. The more you ignore your conscience, the worse it gets, the weaker it gets. 
And you'll find yourself doing bad things and you don't even know they're bad. Don't even think about it as being bad. So the conscience, it either convicts us before we do it so we don't do it, or it condemns us after we do it. Conscience is because of the moral law that God has put inside every person. The second term I want to give you after inclusivism is the word exclusivism. And that means that redemption is possible only through faith in the gospel. And those who say no one can be saved apart from the name of Jesus Christ, quote Romans chapter 10. You can turn to Romans 10. And here's what they say why they believe it's only through the name of Jesus Christ that you can be saved. And if you don't hear the name, you can't be saved. In Romans 10, 14, Paul said, How then will they call on him whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? So he's kind of taking it backwards. If you're going to believe, you've got to hear. If you're going to hear, someone's going to tell you. If someone's going to tell you, they have to be sent. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good, of good things. So, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So faith to believe comes from hearing the word of God, is what they're saying. The chain of logic in Paul's mind is very straightforward. The only way to be saved is to call on Christ's name. The only, the only way to call on Christ's name is to believe the gospel. The only way to believe the gospel is to hear the gospel. And the only way to hear the gospel is to be told the gospel. That's exclusivism. Secondly, I want to take a look at the character of God. I love the character of God. To me, the character of God answers questions that I can't answer, or that are very difficult to answer. God's character consists of many attributes. Omniscience means he's all-knowing. Omnipotence means he's all-powerful. Omnipresence, he's everywhere present. Immutability. He's unchanging. God doesn't get in a bad mood. He never changes. He's holy, separate, and distinct from everything else. He's love. He's righteous. He's justice. He's grace. He's sovereign. And sovereignty sometimes, I think people have the wrong understanding. Sovereignty means that he can do whatever he chooses to do. And that is true. But... He never chooses outside of his attributes. God won't do something outside of his own nature. So the more we understand the attributes of God, the more we'll be able to understand how God operates, how God thinks, what's in the heart of God. He always operates within his attributes. So that means he's always fair. He's always love. He's always just. He's always powerful. See, those things never change. And it's good to remember the attributes of God. 
Now, there are black and white aspects of the Bible which are very clear, very easy to understand. For instance, when God gave the Ten Commandments, that's pretty black and white, right? Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. I mean, boom. Can't argue. Plain as day. Something else that's very clear. By grace you are saved. Through faith, not of works. That no one would boast. That's clear. You don't have to argue that. Someone can't say, well, you know, if I'm just good enough, I'll be saved. No, the Bible's very clear. By grace you're saved. It's God's grace. Salvation is a gift. It has nothing to do with works, because if it was your works, you'd boast. You'd be a bragamony in heaven. You'd bore everybody to death for all of eternity, <laughs> telling everybody how great you were on the earth. So God's like, no. God's like, no, it's a gift. It's a gift of grace that I give you. See, those are clear-cut issues. But then there are some gray areas that people kind of haggle over sometimes. And they're not so clear. And there's a lot of gray areas in the Bible. And when I come across something that's not clear, you know what I do? I fall back on the character of God. That if I can't find scriptures that answer the question, I go back on God's character. Well, what's God's character? He's love. He's just. He's holy. He's fair. He's all-knowing. And he's got many other attributes. He's truth. So a gray area sometimes might be, do babies go to heaven? We don't have a specific scripture that tells us that little babies that die before they hear the gospel go to heaven. We don't have a scripture. It could be a gray area. So what do we do? We fall back on the character of God. The character of God is just and he's fair. So if a baby at one year old died, would God be just and fair not to accept that baby into heaven because the baby never heard the gospel, raised his hand, walked down the aisle, filled out a salvation card? Would that be fair? Of course not. So the character of God tells me that babies are saved, that babies that die in the womb are in heaven, that people that don't have a mental capability to understand the gospel are with Jesus in heaven. Bible doesn't explain it, but the character of God gives us something to go on. That's why the more we learn the, God, the word of God, the more we'll learn the character of God. And I really believe the more we learn the character of God, the more hope we'll have for our own personal lives. So again, when I try to answer the question, can the man on the island who never heard the name of Jesus be saved? The Bible's not clear. He doesn't say it. The Bible's very clear on accepting the gospel to be saved, but it's not clear about the man on the island or the guy in the rainforest that never heard the name of Jesus. So what do I do? I fall back on God's character and his attributes. And maybe that can help us to answer the question that God is fair and God is just and God is merciful and God is love. Someone would say then, but if the man on the island can be saved without anyone telling him about Jesus, 
Won't that trivialize what Christ did? I mean, if Christ died for the sins of the world on the cross, so we would believe in his work on the cross, doesn't, for the guy that never heard about the cross, doesn't that trivialize what Jesus did? And you know what I say to that? No. Heck no. Why? Because Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Even the guy on the island. Even the guy in the rainforest. He died for all those people. Everybody's sins have a potential to be forgiven. He died for them all. First John 2, 2. John said that Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Wow. Everybody that ever lived. Jesus Christ took upon himself the judgment that they deserve. Maybe that gives us a clearer picture of what Christ endured on the cross. I mean, it's one thing to take a beating for another person. How about taking a beating for the whole world? <laughs> the whole world's population. The billions of people that have passed through this planet. Man, that was horrific. Like we sang this morning, we'll never know how much it cost to see where he bore our sins upon that cross. We'll never know. We might ever know. Not even in heaven. I don't know if we'll ever know. Maybe we will there. Though someone says, but won't it remove the urgency of the Great Commission? Hey, if the guy on the island can be saved without hearing the name of Jesus, doesn't that water down the Great Commission? Doesn't that remove the urgency where Jesus said, okay, now go out into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the things I taught you. Doesn't that water that down? You know what I say? No, no. A thousand times no. It doesn't. Because this is why many people have heard the name of Jesus, but not the good news of salvation. There are those that heard the name of Christ, but they haven't heard salvation. As well as there are those that never heard the name of Christ, and they don't know what follows. You know, even in some churches, sadly enough, people have heard the name of Christ, but they don't hear the gospel. They hear a, a wonderful message about life, and that Jesus is everything. But they never hear at the end of the sermon, you need to be born again. You need to come to Christ. And you need to give your life to Christ. And you need to accept him as your savior. A lot of folks don't hear that. And they never go beyond hearing the name of Jesus. Paul said in Romans 1.21, for even though they knew God, right? These people heard of God. They did not honor him as God hmm. or give thanks. See, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I know God. Me and him, we're tight. Oh, yeah, the big guy upstairs. Oh, yeah. Me. But they don't honor him. They're not thankful. So you can know God and still be condemned. And then what happened? They became futile in their speculations you know what speculations are from, I believe? Not being taught. See, that's what's so good about coming to church. We remove our human speculations. 
Our speculations are our opinions. Well, you know, this is what I think. What we think doesn't really matter unless it's truth and lines up with Scripture. This is truth. So if you don't learn truth, if you don't commit yourself to learning truth, you will live in speculations. And your speculations are probably going to be wrong most of the time. So these people, they became futile, futile, empty life in their speculations, in their foolish heart was darkened, a foolish heart. You know, the heart's supposed to be full of light, but theirs was full of darkness. And you know, when your heart's full of darkness, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know right from wrong. You don't know good from evil. There are people today who call themselves Christians, and they're saying, that's good. I'm like, no, it's not. That's evil. That's bad. You gotta recognize that. There are people, I'll tell you what, some people think politics doesn't belong in church, but you know what? As goes the nation, so goes the church, I think. I think the church has a responsibility to make sure that when it's time to elect governing officials, that they do their homework and they act responsibly. And there's one thing you never want to do is put people in office that are willing to kill babies in the womb. You don't do that. And now how bad were they killing babies outside the womb? I, I, you know what I, you know what I see that as? Demon possession. You know, back in Jesus' days, demon possession was demonstrated by spitting and throwing up and rolling on the ground. Today it's different. Today it's more cultured. But it's still demon possession. And what happens? Remember the conscience? Gone. Conscience is completely gone. Their foolish heart was darkened. Oh, what a place to be. What a place to be to have such a dark heart that you don't understand the depth of God's love. Jesus did die for the sins of the whole world. And like I said earlier, if there are things that you don't understand about Scripture, if you have questions that can't be answered, you fall back on the attributes of God. God is love. God is justice. God is fear. God is grace. So it's these attributes that can help us to answer some of the questions that we struggle with. It's that important. So listen, I hope this gets you thinking a little bit. I hope it started turning the little wheels in your brain. And uh, I'm going to tell you how you can receive this message in its entirety. We, we do have quite a bit to go, so if you'd like to hear it all, go to our YouTube channel. So go to YouTube, New Hope Christian Church. Um, hit the playlist, and then come down and hit Created Playlist. The series is They Want to Know. And you'll scroll down to today's title, Can People Be Saved Without Hearing About Jesus? Good question, and I hope you find the answer as you listen. So again, let me know you like the format, you like the sermon format, you like the live format. Shoot me an email, newhoperadio, the number seven, at gmail.com. Looking forward to being with you next time.